for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. That was the smoothest transition I've ever done. That was great. It's good to be here. Um, For those of you who were at the, uh, the party last night, the romantic couples party, um, you know, it's easy to have liberty when you're good at something, you know, but, but it, real liberty is when you do something and you're not so good at it and you don't care. Um, I just appreciated the liberty with which you all danced. <laughs> no, no, wait, no, 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 that's not a slam, because you know what I just said is true. <laughs> Come on, yeah, this, but... Everyone is having so much fun. It didn't matter. You were just, you were there just dancing with your sweetheart. And it was so good. And I'm going, you know, if my wife was here, I would have, I would have danced. Uh, and however, well, I'm really bad at dancing. I mean, I, my rhythm is like, you know, it's just, it, it was so refreshing to see everybody dance and, and eat and as soon as they walk through the door, they, they line up for refreshments. It was just, I had so much fun. And um, in between, I, uh, I kept on having to run out, and it wasn't because I was drinking a lot of water. It was, my, my, my daughters were having a, um, a, a ballet recital, all three of them. And there were different times during the day, so my wife and I are texting, and she, you know, I'd be talking to someone, and then the text would come up, and it would say, uh, you know, three minutes. So I'm trying to be polite to people, but I'm, I'm getting out of here because i got to go FaceTime my kids. So I, I was able to see two of the three girls dance. The third one was utterly crushed, so I owe her so much. I mean, I know we're going to watch the video when I get home, then she gets to choose her movie, and however much chocolate she wants. I mean, just whatever it is. But I just had such a good time. It wasn't just with the people who were there. But like the people who were there were part of the people who are here. It was just, it was just such a gateway thing, you know. It was, it was good to be here. Um, this is the only church that I work with internationally where I feel like this. Every time I come, I feel as if I had been here just a week earlier. It's just the weirdest thing. We, we pick up right where we left off. And um, I mean, for some of you who don't know me, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's just so normal. I mean, now I stay at the halls. You know, I come in. It's like, oh, so good to see you. I mean, the first couple times it was, oh, so good to see you. Hug, hug, hug. Now it's so good to see you. Your room's upstairs. You know where the food is. You know, and it, it's just, it's so good. It is, I just... So uh, it's beyond comfortable being here. So I want to share some things that uh, I think can help all of us. Um, it was interesting, the, the word you had was about, really is about warfare. And, you know, I know Christianity is led by the Prince of Peace, you know. And I, I know Jesus often is depicted as this guy in white robes, who might be on methadone going, you know, 
you know, but Jesus, Jesus was a warrior. When, when he came to planet Earth, he, he wasn't militant as in mean, but he was very purposeful. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to expose and oppose anything that got in the way of people knowing who God was like. I mean, the guy was a guy. He really was. He, he would stand up to the enemy. And, and he depicted many aspects of what really the normal Christian life is. Um, I've heard it said that, well, you know, when you get born again, you're brought into the nursery of God, and then when you're, you're strengthened, you know, then you're ready for war and to advance the kingdom. And I have no idea who came up with that idea, but it wasn't God. When we, when we are born again, we are dropped into a war zone. We are dropped into the middle of, of a battle that has been raging for a long time. And it's not just, well, we have peace, and then there's a storm, and then there's peace, and there's a storm. It's just that the storms are more intense expressions of the battle that's always raging. Always, always. Now, this is not a, this is not a downer. It really isn't. But we've got to see what it is. We're, we're in a battle. We always will be in a battle. When we finally go, ah, oh, the battle's over, that's great, but you'll be in heaven. I mean, when the battle's over, and you're going, yes, victory. I mean, there's no more battles because you're in heaven. But from now until we meet Jesus face to face, there's just going to be battles here, battles there, victories here, relative peace. And that's just how it is. The other thing is we have so many promises from God. You know, go to the new level, take the land and all that. But have you noticed there's a divine tension in Scripture? that oftentimes we have to fight for what God gives us. We have to battle for what God has promised us. We don't earn the things that he gives us, but he goes, here, here's the land. You know, see it, walk amongst it, and, and, and just take the land. Wherever you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you. You know, you get a promise like that, you go, I can do this, right? And then after you listen to God, he he says, oh, and by the way, be strong and courageous. Well, you're gonna give the reason God was saying be strong and courageous, he was imparting something to Joshua and the people of God that they needed because every place they step, set their foot, someone else was living there. The, the, the kingdom of God, as it moves forward, is always displacing. It's always displacing. Not only externally, but internally. When the kingdom of God works through us, Sanctification really is the Holy Spirit working us in such a way to displace things, the old things, and, and, and replace them with new things. So there's always sort of a battle. It's not always miserable, but there's always a battle. We, we have to know what victory looks like. Victory isn't always the breakthrough. Victory has a lot to do with finding out what God wants and then doing that. If he says go forward, you go forward. And in going forward, guess what? You're winning. But if he says, don't go forward, just stand, and you stand, the fact that you can obey God in this place, you're winning. It's just an amazing thing that we, we have to always be clear what victory looks like. Um, we also need to know what the adversaries look like. This is not going to be a, let's learn all about Satan, but this is going to be, we, we need to know what the adversaries really are like. Um, we know it's the devil, the world system. Uh, 
certain aspects of our culture, and of course, those parts of ourselves called the flesh, which are always going to be at war with the Holy Spirit. But that's so general. We need to get more specific. Have you noticed that there are so many opinions, so many opinions that are deeply, deeply held, that are actually contrary to God's word and his ways? I mean, but so many. Uh, Like, well, what is God really like? Who is God? There's so many sincerely held positions. And how do you raise kids? Well, there's this one way, you know, make sure the self-esteem is good, or other people say, yeah, there's just so many opinions out there, deeply, sincerely held, so many opinions about what does marriage look like, or whether or not there should be marriage, or, you know, there's, there's so many deeply held opinions, and they're sincerely held. Isn't it interesting that many times sincerity is taken as the sign of truth? They're... How, what, what, what does healthy relationships really look like? What's money for? How do we handle it? What is real happiness? What, what, what are real positive values? What's the meaning of life? How do you go about making decisions? There are so many books out there, and, and they're all competing. And many of us, many of us, we say, well, we'll take a little bit from God, maybe a lot of God, and we'll take a little bit of this and a little of this, as if we can just put together our own convenient doctrine. I'm not trying to be mean here, but I'm just, it's just what I do. I've got opinions that I sincerely hold that are actually just sort of a little incompatible with what God thinks. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just, you know that God said this, but you go, God, I don't want to disagree with you, but can we cut a mutual non-aggression pact? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like, God, I know, I know I'm supposed to forgive as you forgive, but I'm not ready. Yeah, you're not ready to forgive? Oh, oh, anyway, sorry. I mean, I do that. I do that. I just sort of, I know what you're saying, but God, I've got this really sincerely held opinion. All right? There are many influences. I'm not going to, look, we have CNN, you guys have BBC. Don't get mad at me. But, I, you know, all those talking heads... The talking heads, these experts on things, and I, I look at them and I go, so what makes them an expert? I mean, I have no idea. Well, here's our expert on Middle East affairs, and you go, so what makes you an expert? Well, they just said, right? Well, we have these, and then, then you have these debates going on and on and on and on, and actually, the reason we watch the debates is not to be informed, but to be entertained. It's sort of like an intellectual boxing match. Well, that was a good point. Ooh, he got back. It's a, you know, we just get into that debate as if truth is primarily a matter of debate. We have internet. I mean, seriously. So one guy, he said, I don't have to pray anymore. I just Google it. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, <laughs> um, we have new age stuff. You know, we are God. We're a little. Bit, I, mean, I think you know what I'm talking about. You live in this culture, and 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 the Western culture sort of has a lot in common. Um, of course, you guys have football, and we have real football. Uh, yeah. See, see, I, I, I just lost you. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> but there's false religions competing with the truth of Christianity and the exclusivity of Christianity. There are, there's pluralism. Well, you could believe in Jesus, believe in his values, but if you have some other things that are contrary, you can collect them together. 
we have our past, which competes with God's ways. We have our fears. We have our preferences. And, you know, we have our own nature. Am, am I wrong about this? I mean, there's, it's, it's not that we're always miserable, but there's always the opportunity to, uh, to see and address conflict, to, to overcome and to gain a measure of victory in our lives. I, all I want to do is just share a couple Actually, it's six. That's the, the preacher's lie. See, if I tell you I'm going to lie, it's really not a lie. <laughs> you know, uh, just a couple really means six. <laughs> Sorry. Some of you are going, great. I get up early, and the preacher tells me he's going to lie. <laughs> no, but there's, there's some things I just want to submit to you, believing that the Holy Spirit will go, yep, I need that. Because God... God, God wants us to win. He's with us to win. We're, we're designed for war. And we, are, we can be equipped to win. And I just want to share some things, some nuggets that might be what, that, that tool you need to be equipped to, to win the battle you might be in the middle of. God, God loves to equip. I mean, can, can you imagine saying, Jesus, I'm here, I trust you, I believe in you, lead me through the battle, and Jesus goes, here's this tool, I've anointed it, and if you use this tool, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll win. And you go, oh Lord, I depend on you, he's going, the tool, <laughs> you'll just use it, I'm telling you, depend on me, to, to, to take the tool. To take the tool to be practical. It's great that you depend on me, but if you really depend on me, you'll take and use the tool. All right? Oh, sorry. Thank you. No, really. A, a, an amen that comes in the form of a snort. That just makes... Thank you. See, already, I didn't even have to talk. The anointing went up. <laughs> so here's some things that I just want to share with you, and if it resonates with you, challenges you, or so, just go, I'm going to take this and not meditate on it and say, God, what do I do with this tool? Okay? Here, here's one tool, and it's actually one of those tools that you can all, almost use anytime. When you find yourself in a battle, whether it's against the enemy or a struggle in your own inner life, whatever it is, here's, here's the absolute fundamental tool. It's uh, in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil. It's one of those things. A lot of people, oh, I'm in a battle, and we try to figure out the battle, and all, we diagnose it, and all this sort of stuff, and it, 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 it's normal. But the first thing is, God, well, God, there's this battle. Before I even start addressing the battle, I'm reporting for duty. I submit myself. It, it, it's something that anybody can do. Not everybody can properly diagnose their battle, but anybody can submit themselves to God. Anybody. I mean, the demoniac who had a lot of problems. I mean, a lot of demons. The demoniac didn't sit there and go, I have all these demons. For me to, to know what to do, i got to get rid of the demons. He didn't do that. What he did is he ran to Jesus and he went, here, what are you going to do with this? And then Jesus goes, out. All right? There's something about submitting first to God. 
Now, for me, that's often hard because my first, my first line of defense is my own mind. My first line of defense is my own experience. And my first line of, experience, uh, uh, line of defense is my own ideas. I mean, am I the only person who's like that? There's something about, have you ever done the, oh, I did everything I could do, and then I went to God. My father got, got saved at 870. That was incredible. He gets saved, and one of his first Bible studies, I invited him to a Bible study. We had a large group of about 20 people sitting in a big circle. And I just felt, well, why don't we just share what God has done during the week? And almost every person, my dad was sitting here. He was the last one. I wanted him to see what sharing could look like so he wouldn't embarrass himself, you know? <laughs> so, or really, so he wouldn't embarrass me. Anyway, so people started sharing. Guess what happened? The same thing. I tried this, it was this problem, but then I sought the Lord, you know, and he answered me. He delivered me, you know? And it was like this, and my dad still didn't know proper religious protocol. And when it got to him, he's sitting there going, well, after listening to you guys, why don't you go to God first? And you know, everybody's going, yeah, that's, that's sort of right, you know? So there's something about, like, when you get offended, when you get hurt, when you get discouraged, all these things, those things are real. You don't want to be in denial, but your first move is go, Lord, this hurts, I submit to you. That, that's, that's so foundational. You submit first to God, and then let him start, uh, you know, sorting things out. Here's the second one. Now, it's fashionable to say we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can have great charismatic experiences. And I'm telling you, I love that. Be, I love to be filled you know, and pray in tongues and experience all that. But did you know that being filled with the Holy Spirit is also an incredible weapon for spiritual warfare? To be filled with the Holy Spirit does not, it's not limited to a charismatic event, although it can include it. It's really a lifestyle. In Ephesians chapter 5, God, God commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be continually and increasingly surrendered to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What does this have to do with warfare? Well, that's how Jesus fought in the desert. This is fascinating. In Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he left Jordan when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Stop. Right there. I, this is how I used to think of the temptation of the desert. Jesus knew his ministry was coming, so he needed to fast. Here he was fasting in the desert, God, you know, submitting, oh God, this is going to be a tough three years and all that sort of stuff. And then the devil just interrupted him. That's not what happened. Jesus was on the offensive. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and then led into a battle. Isn't that interesting? The battle didn't come to him. He went toward the battle. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he was led into situations where there's going to be battles. And if you believe in the sovereignty of God, many times the battles that we experience are sort of set up or foreseen by God, and we're led into them so that we would learn something as well as win. Does that make sense? So a couple principles we can have here. You know, if, if it works for Jesus, maybe it might work for us. What you are full of is what's going to lead you. If you're full of pride, pride will lead you. 
If you're full of bitterness, bitterness will lead you. If you're full of lament over the past, your past will lead you. How's that for an enigma? Your past will lead you into your future. Well, it's true. What you're full of, and, and, but if you're full of the Holy Spirit, guess what the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you forward. What you are full of is what's going to lead you. That's one of the reasons why God is saying, be continually filled, surrendered to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because the leading is much better. The second principle is this, what you're full of is what you're going to fight with. If you're full of ideas, you'll fight with ideas. If you're full of religion, you'll fight with religion. If you're full, consumed with your past, you'll fight with your past. Your fear. If you're full of anger, you'll fight with anger. Have you ever, you don't know you're angry until someone ticks you off? Oh, sorry, I saw that thing. I mean, you really don't know you're angry, and then someone does something, and then you're off, and you fight with anger, and you find out what you're full of. Isn't that weird? Anyway, so the first thing is submit to God. Second is I, I encourage myself and all of us, just take some time each day and say, Lord, I choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I choose to be surrendered to your ministry. And just see what he does. I mean, you may have a dream, a vision, a prophetic word, but you also might experience peace. You might also, you know, maybe, oh, I do have to forgive that person. Or, oh, I need to just be kind to my child this morning. Or I have to, you know, those little things... As the Holy anything the Lord wants you to do, it's a good idea to do it, because every time you do it, you win. There's a victory in that battle. Here's, the, here's another thing. I, and this, again, I'm sounding pastoral. I'll get over it in a minute. But uh, not, not that there's anything wrong with being a pastor. <laughs> See, Matt, when he does that, I know that was from the Lord. <laughs> Listen. Many people have sincerely held opinions that are contrary to Scripture. I do, and so do you. But how we fight is actually to know what God says. There's some Scripture that I know what God says, but I don't know what it means. I really don't know what it means. But the Holy Spirit, he's just so faithful. If we'll spend time in Scripture, you don't have to be a bibliophile. You don't have to remember everything, but just sort of feed on Scripture. The Holy Spirit will remind you of what the Lord you know, imparted to you. It's an amazing thing. Jesus, when he was in the desert, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit into the desert, and when there was a particular battle, it is written. It is written. It is written. And I can't tell you what scripture the Holy Spirit will quicken to you, but I know that when we're in the Word, you know, not, not in a religious way, but just feeding on the Word, reading the Word, listening to the Word, when we do that, when it's battle time, the Holy Spirit has something to remind you of. It's just one of those things. There are times when I have a dry time, and I, I don't spend as much time in the Word. I'm, I'm still, you know, loving and kind and all that. But when conflict comes, I rely more on my own brilliance, my own experience, my own capacity to overcome. And, you know, that, that gets old after a while. It's just sort of hard. So staying in the Word keeps me fresh. Here's, a, here's another thing. These are simple things that you already know, but God loves to remind us. You know, um, here's another one. Uh, I'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, the weapons that we fight with, they're not the weapons of this world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I've read some books on what it is to do that. And this, this is what works for me. When I have an opinion, an opinion about someone, an opinion about myself, opinion about the church, all that sort of stuff, what, if, I'm, if I'm sharp, if I'm on my game, one of the first things I'll do, I'll go, Lord, what do you think about this? Oh, I've just taken this thought captive and made it obedient to Christ. It doesn't require a lot of faith. You don't have to work real hard. But we're, we're aware of our thoughts because we think them. <laughs> no, we, we think. We, we have these thoughts. And have you ever just sort of had a thought and, you don't, and it just starts taking on a momentum all by itself? Right? And like, oh, that person doesn't like me because they didn't say hello to me. And, you know, they always say hello to me. But they didn't say hello to me today. And the reason is probably they've always disliked me. But now they just can't help it. Now they're openly showing they dislike me. And I'll bet you they're talking about how much they dislike me. And, you know, instead of going, Lord, they didn't say hello to, hello to me. What do you think about it? Right? And it just short circuits that thing. And usually you go, well, unless I know, I have no opinion. I mean, isn't that liberating to actually say, I don't know why they didn't say hello to me? And just leave it at that, right? But you can't do that because if we could control our own thoughts, Scripture would say, make your thoughts obedient to yourself. It doesn't do that. So when you have these thoughts, God, what do you think? Great warfare. Seriously, I shared this last night. My children, I love my children. I, really, I would die for my children. But there are times when, I mean, I'm seriously to God, obviously my children and their behavior is your punishment for my past sins. <laughs> right? I mean, you, that's how I'm thinking. And <laughs> thank you so much. Brother, you, you want to travel with me? This is great. <laughs> no, but the, here, here he is. I have these thoughts about I'm developing enmity toward my, 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 my misbehaving children. And I'm, wait a second. Lord, what do you think about this? And you know what he usually says? He goes, are, they are your opportunity to grow in love. And I go, well, that's different. But, but then I know how to proceed. So taking thoughts captive and making it obedient to Christ is so it's such a part of warfare. Or, you know, sweet young ladies who want to be loved and they think that if they're really sexy and sensual and hot, then they'll be loved. You can sit there and say, stop dressing like that. You can do that and go, honey, would you just take that idea and, and, and say, Jesus, what do you think about that? And I mean, you, I, mean I have to do this with my, my young ladies. And what do you think? And my daughter, she just went, well, you know, it's good to be pretty, but... I think God wants to think that the prettiness that, that matters is on the inside. I'm going, oh, that's in the Bible. 
Yes. You know? But she didn't know it was in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit did. And all she does is take this desire to be loved and be beautiful and all that. And that weird connection that the culture gives us. And she says, God, what do you think about it? And he starts sorting it out. Can you imagine David? David has this, uh, well, before he was king, he has this this leader. He says, well, Saul's imperfect. Therefore, I mean, he could have gone into rebellion he, he could have done a whole bunch of things, but I know what he did. He said, Lord, what do you think of this? He goes, well, honor your leader. This is a great test because how you deal with your current leadership will affect your future capacity to lead. You are sowing into your future. Wow, well, got quiet there. But this, so taking thoughts captive, it's just an ongoing thing. Uh, you know, when it comes to spending money, have you ever done that? Oh, man, I need this. No, I really don't need it. I want it a lot. But, oh, yeah, but I really deserve it and all this sort of stuff. And you just, have you ever said, Lord, I have all these thoughts. What do you think about it? And sometimes he gives you the go. Yeah, go ahead, get it. Sometimes, wait. Sometimes, are you kidding? I mean, but there's, there's something where you bring God into the thought process and you win a battle. You come home and go, guess what, honey? I didn't buy nine out of the ten toys that I thought I needed. And then your, your wife goes, and the tenth one was? But, I mean, victory comes bits and pieces. Anyway, here's a, another thing that I have found to be very helpful when it comes to spiritual warfare. I don't care. I really don't care how badly someone has hurt you or disappointed you. Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. As quickly as you can. Whatever pain. I mean, you may experience pain for a long time, but on unforgiveness, when we nurture it, Scripture says it defiles others. I mean, the, to the extent we walk in unforgiveness, it's weird how we start believing deceptions. I mean, it defiles us and it defiles other people. It just sets up a mindset that is not based in spiritual reality. It's just, and, and as soon as someone hurts me, it's almost to the point where, like, let, let them finish hurting you so you can forgive them. You know? I mean, in the middle of their doing something, Lord, I forgive them. And I don't do it because I'm all that loving or all that kind. But I know that there's things that God's planted in me and, and when people hurt me if there's, or disappoint me, if I have unforgiveness, I'm allowing a weed to grow in my garden. And what makes a weed a weed is that it sucks nutrients that are meant for the planting of the Lord. Why should I let what other people... Yeah, look, after a while, have you ever noticed church is one of the greatest places to learn how to love one another? Yay. <laughs> And have you ever noticed that marriage is the most intense place to learn how to love one another? Yay! Yeah, okay. <laughs> the two of you are coming with me. Bring your spouses. We have a team. No, but the, I mean as soon as you can. How long, when you say, Jesus, I have sinned, please forgive me, what does Jesus say? He says, well, thank you for sincerity. I'll pray about it. No, he, he immediately forgives, right? And scripture is very clear. We should 
love and forgive others as Jesus has loved and forgiven. And so it's quickly, immediate. It takes a while to practice that. But I'm telling you, when you don't have unforgiveness, when you don't have that baggage, you still may have wounds, but you, when you don't have that, that sort of stuff, the enemy's got nothing in you. He, there's no hook there. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean you won't hurt. I'm sure that when Jesus was going, Father, forgive them. You know, when he was doing the forgiveness thing, uh, it, it, you know, after he forgave, he didn't go, wow, I feel so much better. Still hurt. But his soul was clean. His soul was clean, and he won. He won. Also, here's another one. It's familiar, uh, similar to this. is not just forgive quickly, but break quickly. What does that mean? Uh, in 2 Timothy, it says, um, uh, chapter 2, uh, when someone's bothering you, he say, pray that God would grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and that they would come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Isn't that a killer? I mean, have you ever been really sincere and then find out later you're sincerely wrong? I hate that. That's so humbling, right? To be quick to repent. Is, is one of the greatest things to do. It, repentance, obviously, is not a four-letter word, but sometimes we treat it like that. Repentance is when God's way conflicts with ours, we go, Lord, I really like my way, but I surrender. It's just one of those. I used to really try to cut these deals with God. Can't we get a synthesis between your way and my way, a mutual non-aggression pact? I, what, this is how I pray now. When... when There's God's way that I know is God's way. And I don't like God's way. I'm uncomfortable with God's way. God's way is inconvenient because I've got a better idea. What I do is I'm honest about it. I say, God, there's a conflict here. I know you're always right. I know you're always right. But I don't see your rightness. I don't feel your rightness. And I'm more comfortable with this. I surrender this. And would you help me start thinking right? And that's what breaking is. Where you, you, you... You just lay a hold of your ownership of your ideas and then see how God can do something in your soul. I remember there was this lady one time. I was doing, God was using me for some revival on, on, some, on a university campus. I mean, it was, it was legend. It was great. I couldn't believe all the stuff. And this lady, she, she met me in a bank. She was so mad at me. You're that guy who's doing that stuff on the campus, aren't you? And, you know... You, I wanted to lie and go, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know the man. But, but I said, yeah, well, yes, I am. She goes, you're just brainwashing those children. And I'd never heard that argument before at that time, that Christianity was a matter of brainwashing. So I was just stunned. And then the genius of the Holy Spirit you know, found a, a haven in my mouth. And what came out of my mouth was, Maybe, but the issue is not whether or not you're brainwashed. The issue is, what do you wash your brain with? And she went, ooh. <laughs> and then I, you know, I love to win, so I, I took an extra step, so I said, so what do you wash your brain with? You know, I, I may have lost an evangelistic opportunity, but I won that <laughs> argument. 
Here's another one. When we have battles that are very difficult, or when we have unforgiveness, or we have growing deception in our lives, almost always, one of the evidences is that we start isolating. We start taking, we start distancing ourselves from people, from people we love. That's all that, sort of like us versus them, or, oh, I just can't be around people. I'm telling you, isolation is a trick of the enemy. Uh, scripture is so very, very clear that we're not to forsake doing life together. Because just in doing life together, you may not know how to use all these tools, but when you hang out with other Christians on a regular basis, and over time they really get to know you, really get to know you, right? There's something powerful about that because we're in the light. And when we're, when we're in the light, things get exposed. It says here that we're to see to it. See to it that our hearts don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And our hearts can get hardened conveniently when we isolate. It's just really easy. But if we encourage one another daily, if we're connecting in real ways with real people, it's hard to have your hard heart. It's hard to maintain a deception. Isn't that true? Thank you. Interces- intercessory snorting. He, 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 he was yawning, so he snorted for him. So, I can tell we're coming to the end of the meeting, the crescendo. We had a, a double portion of snorts. But don't be afraid of battle. Don't be afraid of the storms. Don't be afraid of, of conflict. Don't. We're, we're made, we're designed by God. We're made for war. And we're made to learn how to fight with the weapons that God gives us. Um, initially, I was going to say, you know, if anybody has, has a war that they know, it could be a storm or it could be, gosh, you know, I'm struggling with a deception or unforgettable. Whatever your battle says, I'm going to have everybody come up. But I was talking to Graham. He goes, what if everybody comes up? (laughs) If you have, you know you have a battle. If some of the things that I said, you go, I've been, I've, been, I've been talking with God about this, and I don't like what he says, and I've got a better idea. Or you have bitterness, or you're going, I'm just tired. I feel powerless. Or if you, just have, if you know you have one of those little battles where there's a weed that has bloomed into a beautiful flower, and you go, I like the flower, but I know that weed is sucking nutrients from what God has for me. If you have a battle, please stand, and I will pray for you, and the Holy Spirit will meet you. Wow. Victory across. I mean, you, it, storms would count as a battle, but the inner conflict. You know, one, one of the great, I'm, I'm an American, so we're even more independent than you are, right? I mean, really, just we glorify it. And, you know, authority we really think is bad. You know, do we have a tough time submitting to authority? That's my battle, baby. You know, because I'm usually submitted to, well, I'm always submitted to imperfect leaders. So Lord, I want to pray for us. 
I ask, Holy Spirit, now, that you, you just give us grace. We, we take a stand right now. We choose first to stand in your presence, to stand in your love. And, and from that position, we choose to submit. Submit ourselves to you. Lord, with, with all our, our, our conflicts, all our ideas, all the difficulties, all the pain, in the middle of that, we can submit to you. Lord, I ask you would start filling each and every person who knows they're in a battle. Lord, the issue is not how do we sort it out, but to get you in the middle of the battle so you can sort it out. So, Lord, I ask this would be a season of not just empowering and refreshing, but a genuine filling of the Holy Spirit so that the battles that you are surely leading us into, we will not be afraid, we will not shrink back, that we'll be able to face what's in front of us, we won't, be, we won't be tied by what's come behind us, and we'll start moving ahead. Lord, may we be like Jesus. May, may we fight with what we're full of. May, may we be led by what we're full of. And may we, what we're full of, may it be the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would, by your Spirit, you would just help us Take captive some of those thoughts that are oh so familiar and oh so convenient. And Lord, if there's anybody, it doesn't matter if it's a big or a little wound. If there's anybody we need to forgive, God, help us weed our garden. We don't want the enemy to have any hook in us. Lord, we just choose to forgive as you have forgiven us. We forgive quickly. And God, if there are ways in our lives that, that are incompatible with yours, God, we can't change ourselves. We can't. But we can say, God, we give up. Would you teach us your ways? Where our ways conflict with yours, would you teach us your ways? We, we, we hold our ways lighter than ever before, knowing that as we surrender, you'll transform our mind. Knowing that you will start seeing that your ways are always right, they're always fruitful, they're always good, they always bring life. God, I pray, I pray that for the battles that are surely ahead, for each individual and each church, that we'd be able to say, yes, we can take the higher ground. Yes, we can take that which God promised us. We can take the land fearlessly knowing that we'll have a fight, but we will be fully equipped to fight the good fight. God, I, I pray that every prophetic word that has come from your heart for each individual, that there be a refreshing new hold of those words so they can hold on to those prophetic words and fight the good fight of faith. God, I pray this would be a new, sustained season of ever-increasing victory. In Jesus' name, amen.